It's good to see you. It's good to see you this morning. Uh, my name is Carlos. Um, today it's Carlos. See, some days it's Carlos, but today it's Carlos, you know what I'm saying? Um, it's, uh, I had to do that when I came to the United States. I had to learn my name that way, and so it's fine. Um, but I'm one of the pastors here at Reality, and if this is your first time at this church, uh, I want you to know that you are welcome here, that however you came in this place, that part of the reason why we started this church is for you to be able to explore the claims of Jesus. Even if you've been coming to this church for a while, and depending on your emotional state this morning, you may have sung those songs, and there might be something in you that you're like, man, I, I, don't, I don't know where I am. My mind is somewhere else. My encouragement to you this morning is that, guess what? It's okay to enter into this place even with that particular emotional state. My prayer is that God will speak to you not only through the worship, through the music, the truths that we sing, but now also through the Bible, because there's power in the Word. Amen? Um, I want to show you a picture that I was, I was gathered with some pastors in New York City some time ago, and we were being mentored in prayer, and this pastor showed us this particular picture of Rembrandt, Christ in the Storm. Can you see it there? Um, and it's really interesting um, what's taking place in this picture. Everybody is responding to the storm in a different way. Uh, some people, if you notice, they're trying to fix the sails. They're trying to do everything they can to make sure that this boat doesn't snap. Do you see that? There's, there's somebody else who's responding to the storm. They're like throwing up down here. You see that? They're like, they can't take it. Other people, they're just looking around like, what's going on? You know, those are the people that like the, the creepy songs start singing like, ah, you know, they, like they don't know what's going on in that moment. There's other people telling Jesus like, fix it, demanding, hey, why don't you do something about the storm? We are tired. And then famously, Rembrandt, sometimes used to paint himself into the picture. So that's what people think this dude is. Look at this. He's slicking his hair back, looking at us. Yeah, because if you count the number of disciples, you'll see that there's 13 in the picture. There's 13. So Rembrandt is looking at you and me as if though to ask the question, who are you? when the storms of life crash against you? How will you respond to the anxieties of life when they come up against you? Will you rely on your capacity to try to fix everything yourself? Is that how you respond to um, the pressures of Life, will you stare at the storm, just kind of hoping that things will get better at some day? Will you throw yourself into despair and hopelessness? Will you demand that Jesus come through for you in a particular situation? You may not see it very clearly, but there is another disciple in the painting, and it's this dude right here. Can you see him? Do you know what he's doing? He's the only disciple who is on his knees praying before the Lord. He is hidden. He has a posture of 
surrender, acknowledge. You know what he acknowledges? That there's no might. There's no skill. There's no talent, no circumstance that can deliver him from the storm that he is facing while Jesus is on the boat. He is the hidden disciple. In our cultural moment, in our day and age, the way most people deal with pressure and anxiety and essentially just with the opposition that we encounter in this life is by obsessing over gaining skill. We live during a time and age where people are obsessed with mastery. You ever heard that concept? Mastery. Mastery. Uh, or achieving uh, something so that you could overcome every obstacle that comes your way. Or uh, we may look for digital sources in our age of information to give us the key to unlock the door that will help us to go through our deliverance. Salvation by Google alone, right? What's wrong? You immediately put it onto a screen. Others have chosen to escape their reality and escape their storms by numbing their senses through some sort of drug and their lives fall into hopelessness and despair. My question to you is, how do you respond? How are you responding now to the pressures of life? What is your priority? Which disciple are you on that screen? It's not wrong to develop skill or to gain wisdom from others, but part of what we've been learning in the past few weeks as we've, as we've been exploring the Lord's Prayer is that life with God and experiencing the kingdom of God and the purposes of God is not accessed through these particular means. It is accessed through prayer. God wants you and me to be the hidden disciple. The hidden disciple. That when the storms of life come, our primary response it's not just to try to fix everything ourselves, but to surrender in our knees and to go to him who has the might and power to control everything. Is that not part of what we're learning in the Lord's Prayer? That when the storms of life come, when we find ourselves in a place of real need, that we can get on our knees and request, give us this day our daily what? Bread. Bread. Give us this day our daily bread. We've been talking about in the last couple of weeks how everything that you and I want with God and in this life is found on the other side of prayer. It's found on the other side of prayer, but how do we get there? How do we do that? Well, the first week, if you were here, we began to learn about the basis of our prayer. It's praying our Father. That in God, what we find is a sense of intimacy and identity. That when you embrace him and that close relationship with your father that is made possible by Jesus Christ, man, you begin to approach scripture and prayer in a whole different kind of way. The second week, we learned about adoration. We learned about honoring God as holy, like we just sang, that there's nothing more important about who God is than us being able to actually ascribe glory, ascribe honor to him, There is a sense of mystery when we do that, isn't there? Isn't there a sense when we talk about songs that I'm like, whoa, there's these angels gathered around the throne. I mean, okay, how many times did you hear that this week at work? It's very foreign to us, isn't it? 
There's a transcendent part of who God is. And when you come to church on Sunday morning, you are reminded God is very different. God is very unique. He is holy. There is a whole nother spiritual reality that sometimes you and I cannot have access to right here, which is why we remember what is truly most real when we come to church on Sunday morning. We are reminded that this is not all there is, but there is a God who is holy, that there are angels singing holy, 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 that this is what is probably most true about the character of God. And so we learned about adoration. Last week, we learned about another part of the prayer called your come. And that's more of a prayer of surrender. It's about prioritizing God's agenda and not our own. So that when we say your kingdom come is we want his reign and rule to be all over our lives. Your kingdom come, your will be done, Father. I pray that what, what is that what is done on heaven will be done on earth. But of course, this week now, after three weeks in prayer, after three lines that give us so much about who God is, about what prayer is all about, we get to a place of petition. We get to the place of request. We, we get to the place where most of us generally live in prayer, right? You know that place, help, 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 you know? That's the place, right? Where most of us generally live when it comes to um, prayer, when it comes to petition, that's the like theological word. Like we're asking God for something. And from the beginning of the series, I wanted to tell you that, hey, there's nothing wrong with God about the needs of your life. He cares about that as we're going to see here today. It's okay to ask him for things, for help with your daily needs, but there is a pattern. There is a pattern to prayer that I hope you'll see today why it's actually more effective person. Yeah? Hold on a second. Check one, two. Wow, this is handheld power. You see the difference right here, dude? This is the kinomaic, yes. So, I love it. I love it. So, if we don't get the pattern, our prayers will not be as effective. You see, prayer actually require skillfulness if you meet with people who are prayer warriors if you meet with people who pray then you what you will realize is that they acknowledge there is a skillfulness to becoming a man or a woman of prayer there's a reason why both in matthew and in luke in these two gospels jesus teaches the disciples to pray in a particular way so the lord's prayer is not a ritual it's not an incantation that we say to the lord but it's a pattern that shapes the way that we pray and if you and i want to grow in our effectiveness in prayer especially even in the area of our petition like god we're at, we keep asking you and you keep saying no why well perhaps is because the way that your prayer life has been shaped is not according to the pattern of Jesus, but the pattern of this world. So I want to give you three shifts, three shifts that we must make in order to continue growing in an effective prayer. The first shift is to go from self-centered prayer to God-centered prayer. From self-centered to God-centered. I don't want you to miss 
that the placement of this petition is intentional. It is in the fourth line. It's after three movements that focus on God's character and God's agenda. It's about his holiness. It's about him being father. It's about his kingdom come. And now he teaches us to go before the Lord so that he could give us our daily bread. Part of the reason that we start with God is what? Talk to me. Why do we start with him as father and him being holy? We prioritize him. What else? Yeah, it, it, it does something to our posture. Uh, reverence really matters in worship. But even though that really matters, I want you to see a very practical side about placing God first in our prayers. You see, part of the reason why you may be struggling with a particular anxiety or a particular sin in your life or with a need that you're coming before the Lord and you're asking him now to do something about is actually because we've placed someone or something else in the throne of our hearts except God. Do you see? So when you begin with saying our father, your name be honored as holy. If you don't begin there because you feel like, ah, this is just kind of religious and I just want to go straight to my need. You may miss the idol inside your heart that actually put you in a position of need in the first place. Do you see that? If, if, we don't, if we don't begin by aligning our hearts with God and with his kingdom, we might be missing over a critical step that actually would shed light on the need that we're facing. That's why you move from a position of self-centered prayer to God-centered prayer. Doesn't this happen so often in our requests about relationships, for instance? Father, I need you to help me with this boy or this girl, right? Lord, I'm so mad at my husband or my wife. I'm so mad at my boss. What may be lurking inside of your heart is actually maybe the fear of man or people pleasing. If somebody gives you feedback at work and you're devastated, not because the feedback is wrong, but because you think that your worth as an individual is based on how people perceive you, Gling, gling, you have an idol. <laughs> something happened there. It revealed something to you. Rather than being secure in the love and the identity and the intimacy that you have with the Father, you have now placed that identity on somebody or something else. There's a famous hymn in Christianity that has this particular line, prone to wonder... Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. This is why we are so many times reminded that what you and I need on a Sunday morning sometimes is not just to be given new information and new insight. You just need to be reminded, don't you? I need to be reminded. Sometimes we think we're smarter than we actually are. We need that reminder we forget about who we are and who God is. We forget about reality. And so what happens is when we begin to pray and we move from self-centered prayer to God-centered prayer, we center God rather than center ourselves. 
We are decentering who we are so that we can put God in the throne of our hearts. You remember that God is your father and he's not a genie. When our daughters were younger, um, Cassie had this funny thing. Our daughters didn't like it that much, but um, she would talk about our girls having a case of the gimme gimme's. And so that, you know, all of a sudden your girls, I mean, you know, they're looking at things and food and, and toys and it gets Christmas time and you're thinking it's going to be this just beautiful moment of altruism and they're going to share all their toys and rejoice because Jesus Christ has been born. <laughs> but they're obsessed with the Santa dude. Even if I, t- by the way, I've told our girls that Santa is not real and they think I'm one of those guys in the movies that doesn't believe in the magic of Christmas. <laughs> they don't believe me. I'm trying to tell them that I'm that guy. I'm like, hey, guys, he doesn't exist. They're like, you're wrong, Papi. <laughs> they have been shaped. Their imagination. Yeah, I am the Grinch. I am the Grinch. I don't. But anyways, so Cassie begins to tell them. I remember when they were younger, like, hey, it looks like you have a case of the gimme gimme's. Gimme gimme's. And our girls did not like that. But it was really helpful because what Cassie was doing is she was shaping them and helping them realize that the way that they were doing these requests to us, they were treating us like genies rather than a mom and a dad. Gimme, 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 gimme. It's a case of the gimme, gimme's. You know what she was doing? She was discerning their need. I mean, she was forming them to see us not as just people who provide, but as parents who love. When you approach your father with a case of the gimme gimme's and you're just like give me give me give me give me and you treat him like a genie it's a very different relationship isn't it a genie gives you what you wish for but a father gives you what is good for you we have a father who likes to give good gifts to his his children he is not holding out on you but he is forming you and teaching you to form your life in a particular pattern of prayer that will actually help you get behind that need. And the way we do that is from moving from self-centered prayer to God-centered prayer. But then there's a second shift that happens here. You see, we're, we're now moving to the place of request where we're acknowledging that our Heavenly Father, that this God who is holy, He is a God who provides. He is a God who meets our daily needs. And part of the shift that needs to happen is we need to move from lofty prayer to the ordinary prayer. From lofty to the ordinary. Now, there's nothing wrong with ascribing glory to God and using very particular language to give him his due and his holiness. I'm talking about the kind of prayer. We need to shift from the lottery kind of prayer. All right? Sometimes when we haven't like spent any time with the Lord and we want to pray to him, we decide, you know what? Today, God, if you give me the right numbers to the lottery, I'm going to give to the church and I'm going to follow you for the rest of my days. God, if you let me go on this date, I'll become a missionary. If you let me pass this test with an A, I, I didn't study this whole week, Lord, but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go to church again, right? Those are the, the Hail Mary, 
home run kind of prayers. Haven't you prayed that way? I prayed that way like at the last moment, especially at school. I was like, God, I, I began to negotiate with them. I'm like, Lord, you people, people know I'm a Christian, God. People, people, these people, they need to know I'm a good student, Lord, please. You know, it's like os osmosis. Let me just read this and know it right now. That's a Hail Mary kind of prayer. I'm only coming to you, God, because I need something really big and every other detail I can handle in my life. And so we have these lofty prayers rather than meeting God in the ordinary. Don't you find it interesting <laughs> that Jesus taught us to ask for bread? He could have said a lot of other things. Give us this day a kingdom, you know? Give us this day lamb, you know? Give us this day. You fill in the blank, but you know what he chose to say? Give us this day our daily bread. We have a God who provides for our needs. And he's talking here about praying, one, for our personal and material needs, our physical needs, our mundane needs. It's bread. It's basic. It's not fancy. It's not lofty. It's not extravagant. It is every day. I remember my mom, who was a prayer warrior in her own right. <laughs> it would frustrate me so much when we're driving around Venezuela and she's praying for this parking spot. Dude. I'm like, dude. I'm like, no way, stop it. I'm like, just park somewhere, you know? Or she would pray about the small details of life. And you could go and you could, you know, take that to a particular extreme that's unhealthy and unbiblical. But part of what she modeled for me for so many years was just the sense of meeting God in the ordinary. That you didn't have to have all of these lofty prayers, but that you could ask him, about the basic needs and the basic necessities of life. Do you go to God with these basic necessities? With these normal, everyday, ordinary needs? Maybe you've lost faith in that. Maybe you felt like because he hasn't answered your prayers, you, you don't wanna bring him the small stuff. But God is a God of details and he cares about you. He is a father who loves you. Part of my invitation to you today is that that trust and that confidence in him on coming to him with your ordinary prayers would be reawakened today that when somebody began to ask you hey do you have a prayer request and you always say no that you realize that that answer means something's going on in your heart that now you're not even willing to pray to god about the ordinary things in life because you got it you got it you're in control you only go to him with the lofty home run hail mary prayers there needs to be a shift from lofty prayer to ordinary prayer. God doesn't demand that we achieve some sort of religious status in order for our prayers to be effective. See, part of how we can get confused in the Lord's Prayer is that when I say, hey, there's a pattern to prayer, that immediately you assume that you need to become the super religious person in order to pray. But that's not true. Because you know who prayed lofty prayers in the New Testament? It was the religious people, the Pharisees. They used all of these words and all of these incantations. 
And they wanted to be heard by everybody. On the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon that Jesus ever preached, he critiques this particular thing about the Pharisees. He's like, don't pray this way. Don't be that kind of person that plays all of these religious prayers but doesn't have intimacy and relationship with me. It was they who had this ostentatious prayer request rather than something ordinary. God wants you and me to bring him the ordinary stuff of life. Because when you bring the ordinary to God, what happens? It establishes a sense of connection, doesn't it? And trust. For those of you that have spent any time with kids and i know i'm bringing them up a lot today because it's just so helpful when it comes to requests because they ask for a lot of stuff (laughs) there is a different level of relationship when you talk to your kids whether they're yours or not about the details of their life like when i talk to my daughters after school or after a particular weekend or a play date and i say hey how did it go and all they say to me is like it was good i'm like cool man what'd you guys do played Okay, what was your high and low? Oh, I didn't have any lows. There's no connection there. There's no trust. I may be aware of their needs already as a father, but the moment they start engaging with me and they start telling me the stories, all of their little details and all of the things that happened, man, there was a different level of trust. In fact, it made me aware of a need that I knew already happened in their life, but it provided me with the attention to be able to deal with that need immediately. They're going from just telling me something general to becoming very specific. Another thing I want you to see here is that he doesn't just want you to bring the ordinary stuff of life to him. He wants you to bring him the ordinary stuff of life from other people. I told you earlier that part of the temptation in the Lord's prayer is to read it like this. My father who art in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day my daily bread. Give me, give me, right? Give us, give us our daily bread. Part of what we do when we center God and we decenter ourselves, it also helps us to think about other people. We begin to pray for other people. It, there's a shift. Do you see it? When we stop centering ourselves, when we start centering God, when we start talking about ordinary stuff, I am able to begin to pray for Jonathan, right? I'm able to begin to pray for each, like I'm able to bring other requests up to you. Why? Lord, because it's give us our daily bread. It's not just me. This isn't just about me. And maybe, maybe you have a lot of bread, right? Maybe, right, in in different ways. But not everybody does. Not everybody has disposable income. Not everybody in Miami has a house. Not everybody has a vacation home and several cars. So, so much of the population in Miami lives below the poverty line. So when you pray with extravagant and lofty prayers and you move out of the ordinary, dude, you begin to miss the point of what other people are also struggling with. So when we say, give us this day our daily bread, you're not just talking about your ordinary needs. You are praying and interceding on behalf of others. Amen? We have to move from self-centered prayer to God-centered prayer. We have to move 
from lofty prayers to ordinary prayers. One way you can know if you have been very self-centered in your prayer life, and I'm sharing this with you with love, if God answered all of your prayers this morning, how many needs in our community would be met? How many families would be restored? How many people would be healed as a result of your intercession with the Father? Oh, Father, help us, right? To move away from this selfish, self-centered mentality to centering your kingdom and who you are and your glory and your majesty. It helps you. It aligns your heart. He wants you to move in that particular way. If nothing would happen, then we have some growing to do in our prayer lives. I have some growing to do. So you have two shifts from self-centered to God-centered, from lofty to the ordinary, and finally, from self-reliance to total dependence. From self-reliant prayer to total dependence. Dependence. Jesus tells his disciples to pray for um, their provision. Um, how often? Daily. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. Uh, it's not their weekly bread. It's not monthly bread. It's not quarterly Amazon subscription bread. Okay? What does it imply? There isn't a day in this world that you and me are not desperate for the grace and provision of the Father. Even on your best day, you need the grace of God. What this prayer reveals is that it's not only that God is a Father, but he has an ability and capacity and a desire to meet your needs on a daily basis. It's on a daily basis. Where does this idea, by the way, of bread come from? I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago that in the Lord's Prayer, there are all these concepts that are succinct, but that have so much meaning in the Scripture. That if you want to understand the storyline of the Bible, you can actually zoom into the Lord's Prayer, and you'll get an idea of all of the things that God has been doing, that He is a Father. And there's so much of that, not only with Him being a Father, but our identity as being a sons, that He is holy. My gosh, there's a whole theology from beginning to end about that. Your kingdom come. It's from beginning to end. When you read the scriptures, you realize and you learn about the reign of God. And when you think about bread, guess what? There's a lot there too. There's an illusion here. Illusion, right? With A, not I, right? It harkens back to a moment in the Old Testament where in the book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible, God had delivered the Israelites from Egypt. And what happens? The Red Sea is parted, and it's this incredible scene. And now they're walking to the promised land, but they find themselves in the wilderness. And what's going on with them? Why are they struggling? They're hungry. They're hungry, right? That's right, and they're thirsty. And Exodus says, we read it in Exodus 16, it's so famous, that God would, in the morning, they would provide them with bread, with daily bread. Do you remember what it was called? The manna manna with provision with food with daily necessities it was it was a picture of daily dependence daily dependence they needed to depend 
on God. When you have the right view of God, what happens is it gives you the right view about who you are, about how human you are. When you start prayer this particular way, and I keep emphasizing that because I want you to know that how you view God will change your requests. It will shape how you even ask about your needs. It's a prayer of dependence. It, you, you begin to realize that you're, you thought when you came to God you had a need, but when you began to learn about him, you realized, I actually have more needs than I thought. I'm more needy. You thought you were really needy, but now that you've gone to the Father and looked at his kingdom and prayed for his agenda, his will to be done, you're like, dude, I actually have more stuff that I need to pray about. My request is actually deeper than I thought before. A preacher once said this, for some in our cultural moment, especially a fitting obituary would be, he died financially secure and independent with no need of anything or anyone, even God. When we pray, we depend on God for everything. When we pray, give us this day our daily Bread. It is a declaration of dependence that says, I am not in control. I'm not in control of every detail of my life. God is. And the more we start recognizing our need for God, the more that we will grow in our prayers, in our requests, in our intimacy, in our dependence. What happens is when you move away from self-reliance to total dependence, you're actually telling God, I am a creature. You are the creator. I am human. I don't give myself life. I cannot create things out of nothing, out of thin air, but God, you are Jehovah Jireh. You are the God who provides. You are the God who meets our every need. God, I can come to you because you're my heavenly father. God, you can meet these needs. I know you can. God, would you help me to trust you? I, I think this is what I need. God, would you please provide this for me? And, and isn't it true that when you, when you talk to somebody who's young and a child and and they approach you in that same way, aren't they the ones that are more mature? In other words, the children that say, I want this, could you help me with this? When they approach you with humility, hey, I need your help, rather than a child that says, no, no, I got it. I'm, do I'm doing this myself. Who's the more mature one? It's not the one that's trying to be self-reliant. It's the one that actually knows that you have the power to make the situation better. You're moving away from self-reliance to total dependence, and you're acknowledging my frailty, my limits, but you're also acknowledging his power, his capacity to meet our needs. Prayer opens up this portal for us into supernatural provision. Supernatural provision. I believe with all of my heart that God wants to do more in your life and in this church. I want you to think about what's happening right now in our city, Miami. Listen, Miami's a pretty cool, pla a pretty cool place. It's blowing up. It's on the rise. Some of the biggest tech firms are moving to Miami. Who moved to Miami? Jeff Bezos moved to Miami. Miami is becoming kind of a big deal now. It's got all of these different international connections. It's known as the capital city of Latin America. It's the biggest cruise port in the world, right? It, did you know that it's the second city that has the most international banks in the United States after New York City? Miami is this kind of a place that can foster self-reliance. It can foster the grind, right? It's, it's going to continue to, it's going to continue to motivate that in people, in our context, in our 
families, in our schools, sometimes even in our churches, we may think that if we have enough leadership, enough talent, that we can see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. But that's wrong. We are not self-reliant people. How are we going to reach the next generation, right? People talk about all over the United States about how Gen Z is dropping off Christianity uh, the fastest and how Generation Alpha and, and how the world is going to change. Just in 20 years, the religious landscape of America is going to be completely different. Well, guess what? These techniques and these tools, they're not working. What people need is an encounter with God. What we need is not to be self-reliant on our own abilities, even though God gave them to us. What we need is to cultivate a life of prayer, to do this work with us, to, with God, and to be able to say to him, God, we need you. We need to know you. We need to see your power and your greatness and your goodness. We need you every day to give us our daily bread, God. We're coming to you in ordinary ways, Lord. Because we know that he's a God who provides. Isn't he? Has he provided for you? Has he met your need? He meets us holistically, doesn't he? See, bread is something that is material. When, when you're praying, give us this day our daily bread. You, you're praying for your material needs. You're praying for the needs of others. You're praying for your personal needs, but you're also praying for your forever need. It's an allusion to what happens also in John chapter 6 when Jesus says that he is the bread of life. And that only he can satisfy. That in order for us to be able to actually move from self-reliance to dependence, Jesus had to go to the cross for you and for me. That's so that you can have access to the Father. The only reason why you and me can actually approach God and go to him in prayer is because he made a way through the cross and through his resurrection. And he took your sin and my sin. If you're seeking him this morning and you don't have a relationship with God and you want to know how to do that, how to access him through prayer, I want you to know that what made that possible for you and for me was the sacrifice that he made for you on the cross. And that's good news. That he rose again, and because of that power, you can now have access to the power of God. And if you want that, you can go to him today and say, Father, you are holy. I pray that your kingdom come in my life. Would you meet today not only my material need, would you meet my personal need, would you meet the needs of others, Father, but would you also meet my spiritual need? You are the bread of life. And I need you. So when you think about these moves in prayer, what's the move that you need to make this morning? What's the, if you were to take just one step, is it moving away from self-centered prayer to God-centered prayer? Maybe it's moving away from this home run style of praying to just praying about the ordinary details of your life. Maybe for you, it's just, you've, just, you've just been relying on yourself. You're trying to muscle your way through this life. And what God is teaching you is to move away from that and to continue to depend and to trust in him. What move do you need to make this morning? I want to remind you, God is a provider who meets our needs 
And that's why we're going to go to him this morning. Amen. I want us to practice that. So I want to give you a quick tool, okay? You with me? Yeah. I'm going to give you a quick tool um, that we're going to practice as we take communion together, okay? I'm going to ask Pastor Jordan to come up. We're going to um, spend some time with the Lord. So um, this is something that I learned from a man called Daniel Henderson. And um, this is one way. I'm going to teach you this weekend just the rhythm of it. And then just over the coming weeks, I'm going to teach you how to do this with the scripture. Like if you, sometimes when you're meeting with God and if you don't have anything to say, you know what you can do? You can pray the scriptures. You can pray them. And you can use this paradigm in order to help enhance your prayers. And it's very simple. It's four R's. Okay. And it's this, when you pray, you begin with reverence or with praise. And the question that you're asking is, who are you, Lord? How do I honor you today? So you can think of him when you're reading the scripture. There are some scriptures that say, that talk about God's creation and his power and his majesty. So one morning when I'm riding in the car, taking our daughters to school, if it's a really beautiful day in Miami, especially in winter, I'll be like, God, thank you so much for your creation. Look at the world that you've made, these trees and the sky, this sunset. And you begin to praise him for who he is. You begin with reverence, with reverence. And then from reverence, you move to response. This is your kingdom come. You surrender to him, your will, to his. Do you see that, right? You begin with our father, you are holy. And then you surrender your will, reverence and response. This is a moment to confess. In the Lord's, in, in, in communion, in just a moment, we're gonna have an opportunity to confess our sins before the Lord so that we can take the Lord's Supper in an appropriate way. You surrender to him. You yield your agenda to God's agenda. How do you want me to respond today, Father? That's the question you're answering. From response, then you move to requests. It's what we prayed about today. Man, and I want you to be bold today. I want to invite you to ask that if there are things that you've given up on in life, that you go to the Lord before them again. If there are people that have particular needs, that you intercede on their behalf today, this morning, that this would be a house of prayer where you would go before the Lord. You would acknowledge, God, we go to you about everything. We pray about everything. You make your request known to God. This is us petitioning to God. And then finally, you go from request to readiness. We're going to get into this soon. But Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We want to be ready for spiritual battle. Every week, you know what we say here at Reality? When we end, we say this phrase, you are sent. We gather here to know about the word, to encourage one another, to sing, to pray, and to be equipped, to be sent out for battle. Readiness, readiness. And so I want to encourage you as we take the Lord's Supper in just a moment, communion, um, to practice this in your life. If you're here and you're not yet a Christian and you're just kind of checking things out, you could, you know, you could remain where you are. And like I said earlier today, man, this is a safe place for you to explore questions about faith. But if you have placed your trust in Jesus, then I want to ask you to take the Lord's Supper, take communion, which is something that Christians have been celebrating for thousands of years. And what I want to invite you to practice it's this method and this tool of prayer. You begin with reverence. And you think about the Lord's Supper, you can begin to praise him for the cross. You can begin to praise him for the blood that was poured out for the forgiveness of sin. 
How do you respond to that? You respond by confessing your sin. You tell him, God, here are the ways that I have been missing, missing the mark. Then you begin to request things. You pray on behalf of people, on behalf of yourself. And then you pray for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to help you in your daily battles. Amen.